Hello, everyone, and it is episode five of the Acer Podcast. My name is Zach, and in today's episode, Anna and I will be discussing God's description of himself and us being image bearers of that description. We'll be talking about that in our first segment. And then in the second segment, we'll be talking about maybe why do we tend to gravitate toward personalities that are not God. And lastly, we will be talking about being image bearers, the Imago Dei, which is the call that all men and women are called to be image bearers of God. And we'll be having a discussion on that. We are so excited that you are here. And today, and always, you are invited to be image bearers of God. So we hope you enjoy this episode and you'll be hearing about all that and more on today's episode of the Azer podcast. Hi guys, welcome back to episode five of the Azer podcast. And I am here with uh, Zach Yonko, my podcast partner. Hello, everyone. How are you, Anna? How are you doing today? I'm good, Zach. How are you? I am well. It is uh, a good day. I got on my Baby Yoda shirt today. I'm excited for The Mandalorian Season 2 to come out, so (laughs) that is what I'm rocking today. Uh, Starbucks just launched all of their fall drinks. Just a little PSA for everybody. Go get those. Does it feel like like, every year fall stuff comes like a week earlier? I feel like... I feel like it's one day. So it's like, so like we're just progressively getting earlier and earlier, but it's subtle enough that you don't notice. And then all of a sudden we're going to be starting in like July. Right. Right. It's going to be like 4th of July fall sale, (laughs) um, which would be hilarious. But um, Anna, we're on episode five already. It feels like Mm -hmm. we just started episode one, not too long ago. So it's, it's crazy. We're on episode five now. I know. But um, I love our our topic today of discussion. Um, we're kind of going through this with my church right now, um, but it's this whole idea of God being a self-descriptive God. So he, he's not a God who kind of steps away and says, you got to guess what I am, who I am. He's a God mm-hmm. who's very direct and describes attributes of himself um, for his followers to know about so that's what i love about this god yahweh describes himself because um something we were saying is so in genesis one if god makes man and woman in his image then god describing himself just means we are in that image um we are to reflect those attributes right right but of course, you know, we're living in a post-fall world, so it's we're going to struggle and fail um, at times. But I think th- I, the thing is, is this is uh, just a reminder in how God created us to be. So um, I thought it would be good, Anna, to kind of kick off this podcast by reading again the most quoted scripture of the old testament um anna you and i were listening to the bible project podcast where tim Mackey said this scripture of exodus 34 verses 5 through 9 
is basically the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Right. So this is Exodus 34, verses 5 through 9. So Moses and God are together, and the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him. And he called out his own name. The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out this, Yahweh, Yahweh, the God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of their of their parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations, then Moses immediately threw himself to the ground and worshiped. And he said, Oh Lord, if it is true, I have found favor with you, then please travel with us. Yes, this is a stubborn and rebellious people, but please forgive our iniquity and our sins. Claim us as your own special possession. That's a lot. That is a lot. (laughs) That is a lot. But again, Anna, I love that God describes himself and doesn't leave us hanging. Right. I feel like one of the, um, I feel like in so many um, other religions, like um, we all know I study history. So just as an example, like Greek, uh, Greek theology, um, all of their gods, like you kind of have to, there's, it's like a guessing game almost, you know, what is going to please them? What is going to make them angry? Who are they? Where did they come from? There's this (laughs) constant, there's just so much ambiguity. Yeah. I said like wrapped up in like with this God, he tells you up, he's very upfront. There is no mystery. He's like, this is who I am. This is, this is what I like. If you do this, you know, you will please me. And there's no, worrying that you're gonna like your your volcano is gonna right. erupt and destroy you just because you forgot to sacrifice yeah. an offering but even going off of that anna um i read a book and it's going to be in our resource column in our show notes is a book god has a name by john mark Comer, and in that he describes exactly what you're saying about the greek gods um always being displeased and he even says even sometimes even when you give the offering they're still upset Mm -hmm. so it's just it's it's there's no ambiguity to Yahweh Yahweh is very straightforward and um uh it's just really cool how he reveals his nature so let's kind of break this down Anna with kind of what God says about himself because if we're going to talk about being in the image of this creator god then we should know the adjectives that he uses so the first one being compassion and mercy so he's a god of compassion and mercy and what compassion means is it's a soft heart for individuals who may be struggling in pain or in turmoil. So I have been in pain. I've been in turmoil. And I know a lot of people who are in pain and turmoil, whether it's oppression by society, oppression by family, or just actual 
physical pain because they got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. God has compassion on people like that. Um, right. So when you think of compassion, what does your mind go to, Anna? What, what's, where does your thoughts gravitate toward? Um, I'm an associations person. I associate <laughs> things with everything. So usually my mind goes to something that I associate that word with. So maybe like a compassionate nurse who is treating yeah. an ill patient and um, being very kind and gentle, very, you know, um, not being harsh. Right. I guess, I guess I kind of, I kind of, in my mind, compassionate is the opposite. It's like, I don't really have a definition for it in my mind. It's just the opposite of a bunch of negative <laughs> things. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I mean, some negative things being like me, like someone who's mean, someone who's abrasive, someone who uh, would throw you under the bus or not, mm-hmm. is not compassionate, but mm-hmm. someone who is compassionate is someone who takes time someone right. who's there uh in the worst of times mm-hmm. um my mind automatically goes to like my mom uh mm. when i was a kid and i needed to stay home from school because i was sick like she would be there to like help nurse me back to health mm-hmm. um so I-, I often think of like mothers who uh have a deep compassion for for their children yeah i also sometimes my mind also goes to the good samaritan i think yeah. because that's like the image of compassionate, but I also think that's the word that God uses or Jesus uses in that. Um, So yeah, just someone who like goes out of their way to help someone who is, you know, kind of down and under. Yeah. And, and, and God with the word compassion is again, establishing his definition of himself. And then we are being images of that. So when we act compassionate towards someone, we are kind of being like a billboard for the name Yahweh. Uh, Carmen, right. Carmen Imes in her book, um, uh, it's uh, Bearing God's Name, uh, Why Sinai Still Matters, which is also going to be a resource in our show notes. She makes the claim that misusing the name of God is just doing all the exact opposites of God's mm-hmm. name definition. So doing all those adjectives that oppose compassion is like misusing the name of God. It's breaking a vow or one of the commandments in this agreement in the covenant. Um, But the next one is mercy and mercy is really tough because societally mercy doesn't make sense to us. Right. Because justice we typically see as the eye for an eye um, that whole idea that, you know, you are to love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. But then Jesus redefines that out and says, you are supposed to love your enemy. So right. mercy has a lot to do with loving your enemy and to <laughs> also forgive the, some unforgivable things. Right. And I think in our society, something I hear all of the time from mainly from non-Christian people, occasionally Um, one of my Christian brethren will use this phrase, but the, um, I don't know. I think we just like to, uh, puff ourselves up and make us seem really tough. And we equate that with, uh, not letting things slide. Hmm. So, um, 
you know, like, oh, I, I wouldn't let them get away with that or, you know, stuff along those lines just to make ourselves seem very, um, like, like you wouldn't be able to get away with much if you were to cross us. And, um, that's just completely opposite of, uh, how the Bible presents mercy. Right. And I know I've been on a thought track when I was like a young Christian, like, man, God's not going to forgive me for this one. Or, oh man, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to be out of the, the grace of God because I did this in my past. But yet God mm-hmm. uses the word mercy as right. a part of his name. And I find that very comforting, especially to people who feel like they're too far gone with God. Really, really quickly, could you just give us a brief... Um, uh, could you just differentiate between grace and mercy? Can you just kind of quickly explain the difference between those two? Yes. So grace uh, being an attribute of God is, is basically he offers to us a gift that we do not deserve, which is um, the part of grace. And then in receiving something that we don't deserve, we have the obligation then into share it with one another communally. So my, uh, one of my really bright professors who is Dr. De Silva um, uh, from Ashland Theological Seminary, he says grace has two components. It is, it is to be received and it is to be given. So um, it is actually interacting with people in such a upside down way. Mercy is when someone directly wrongs you, right? So to show mercy to someone, it is someone or some group or some place that has shown you wrong. And you have then the obligation to either enact some sort of revenge or you have the uh, opportunity to enact mercy. The example I think of with mercy is the wayward son story, right? Mm, Yeah. So the father is in his right to scold his son who squandered his money. Now, it was his money to begin with, right? But the father also, I I think of a parent, right, who's real angry at kids when they do something wrong. Um, And I'm not saying, like, having conversations is wrong or anything like that. But the choice of mercy is something that is so powerful because um, the father embraces the son um, with like a hug. And I think sometimes we want to cold shoulder someone. We don't want to embrace in mercy. Mm -hmm. Um, So grace and mercy do go hand in hand, but they're two separate ideas um, Mm -hmm. that have slight differences. Um, But of course, you, you often will see grace and mercy accompanying each other. If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, th- that's a really good question, though, that you asked, Anna. Um, and then just real quickly, before we go on to sure. discussing other traits, I just, I don't know if you were leading up to this or or not, but um, just to backtrack a little bit, we are talking about the communicable, the communicable, oh, that's such a hard word to say, <laughs> Communal. Communi- communicable traits of God. Yeah. So, um, 
I just wanted to make that point. Like there are some traits of God that we can't emulate on Correct. this side, like because God is God and we are not. Like I am not omnipotent. Right. I'm not all knowing. Uh, those are not things that I personally can emulate. But the like the traits that we are talking about when we talk about image bearing are things that we are to emulate as his image bearers. Right. Like we cannot save someone. God does Correct. saving. Um, and then there are two helpful resources to talk about what we're discussing today is two of Jen Wilkins' books. Um, That's Anna, what I was quoting yeah, from. <laughs> yep, go ahead. Anna, what books um, are those? I only have the one. I know that there's a second one that I don't remember the name of, but the one that I am looking at right now is In His Image, yep. 10 Ways God Calls Us to Reflect His Character. And in this book, she... Um, kind of deconstructs each one of those traits, like breaks it down, makes it really easy to understand, just kind of help you get a better idea of what it means to be made in the image of God and break. Cause like, I feel like until recently, I didn't really understand holiness. I still really don't to be honest, but, um, that's just an example but she breaks it down and so she kind of walks you through the sanctification process and she's like god is holy and it says uh be holy for i am holy like that is something that god says and so what is but what does that actually mean um and so things like that she walks you through in this book and i highly that'll probably be in the show notes too and the second book is called None Like Him, which it's 10 ways God is different from us and why that's a good thing. Um, so sh- these two books go hand in hand. Uh, if you want to study this further, those are two wonderful resources. Uh, again, the author is Jen Wilkin, and I can't say enough about those books. So, But getting back into the description of God. So we talk about compassion. We talk about mercy. The next thing he says is, I'm slow to anger. Anna, I'm very quick to anger. (laughs) Honestly, anger, I think, is my default emotion. I I talk about this a lot when we talk about gender because it's like the stereotypical like guy emotion. Yeah. But no, just like anything and everything makes me angry. So, yeah, we are serving and are made in the image of a God who is slow to anger, uh, which is really, really cool because again uh anna you good news you referenced a lot of the greek god aspects of things earlier on and a lot of those gods are very 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 quick to anger um if you like talk about it like if you've ever seen a toddler throw a tamper tantrum like it's that but with like fire and (laughs) (laughs) like war and they use they like they use people as their little chess pieces right. in war games just for amusement. Um, so thank goodness we don't have someone like that who doesn't just send a lightning bolt every time we right. make a mistake. So yeah, God is slow to anger, and it says He is filled with unfailing, which that just means it is you can't fight it. It's Uh, like a whole truth it doesn't stop Mm -hmm. unfailing love and faithfulness and i think Mm -hmm. that word unfailing before those two is just to emphasize those two words of love and faithfulness again that word love being agape love in the hebrew just meaning all-encompassing it doesn't stop it never ends it's always true agape is greek isn't it um that's what i meant greek 
Okay. Yeah. Just want to make sure. My bad. I was on. No, it's okay. Yeah. I, I just was reading the Hebrew Bible before this. So I think, again, my mind is just there. And so that came out. I'm sorry. No, no worries. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we were reading the yeah. same. Yeah. Agape. And then faithfulness, of course, being that just God will never leave us nor abandon us. But again, that has uh, the only thing is, is God will allow us to uh, he will allow us to make a decision or a choice to either hand us over to what we love. um, Mm -hmm. But God will still remain faithful um, no matter what. Um, And God will always be there and be true. Um, So he says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin. So we see, again, God's love is for thousands of generations. But he reminds us in the latter portion, this is the portion that we don't like to quote a lot. It's just that um, when God says, I lay the sins of parents upon their children, that is him talking about uh, us being given into our own desires. Um, and it affects not only the person who sins, but the offspring and the people around us. So we see how sin is destructive. Um, mm-hmm. One of the uh, ones that uh, some someone brought up to me is like, for example, the sin of racism doesn't just affect the generation that it's in, but it, you see the, right. ri- the ripple effects throughout history. Right. If you were a slave woman and you bore a child, that child was not your property. Right. It literally is affecting the the newer generation. Right. And so we see how that sin kind of has a ripple effect. Um, Like when you skip a stone, you see the big impact where the stone hits, but around the stone, you see the ripples. So it it expands out. So that's why um, it's so awesome that while sin does affect things to that way, we have a God who has unfailing love to a thousand generations. So we see the restorative process and the restorative heart of the God that we worship. Um, so yeah, that is how God defines himself in Exodus 34. And God defines himself in different ways throughout Old Testament and New Testament scripture. But I just wanted to use this as like a central point of wrapping our minds around like, who is this God that we are in the image of? Um, And we're going to transition into our second segment. And we're going to be discussing why sometimes we gravitate toward people, ideas, things that aren't God, and we tend to replicate their personality and their uh, uh, descriptions of themselves. So that's what we'll be talking about when we return. We'll be back shortly here on the Azer podcast. Hey, Anna. Hello. So there's a scripture that has been on my heart for a long while. And it's talking, you know, basically it's Jesus's teaching on money and possessions. And it's Mm. this verse that talks about um, where, you know, our treasures lie. And it's in Matthew six. And this is just following Jesus's sermon on the Mount. 
And he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So that's 6, I love that verse. 21. Actually... Yeah. So, Anna, God typically cares more about the heart than anything else. Right. In, in people. Um, and I always say, like, a heart absorbs things uh, that it's around. Um, it's It's almost like... You know how like a light uh, at nighttime will attract like moths and mm-hmm. bugs. Our heart kind of does that with stuff we are around. Mm-hmm. Um, if we are not rooted in God, right? Right, and I think that that's why um, idolatry is such a huge deal and why God says worship me only because you become like the thing that you worship. Right. And so if you're worshiping things other than Mm. God, like if you're worshiping money, you know, like that is going to, it's going to corrupt your heart in an unhealthy and ungodly way. But if you're worshiping God only, then you're going to become more like him because that is the natural effect of worship. Yeah. And I think something that we typically forget with idolatry is idolatry can be people. Right. Uh, uh, it's easy to think about idolatry with money and possessions like cars or houses, but we idolize people like crazy. Definitely. Like, um, like how many of us woke up at 4 a.m. to watch every single royal wedding in British history? Right, right. <laughs> at and least within the last like 40 or so years. And it's not wrong to have friends or, um, you know, enjoy a talent of someone. Mm-hmm. But I think I go, my mind goes back to when uh, John the Baptist is baptizing people, and mm-hmm. he come greater than I right so Mm -hmm. John is already humbling himself saying don't look to me look to this Messiah that's going to come and then John points and says there he is like that's him um but so often uh when we start to be around individuals who say I have the answers I know the way I know what's true and what's false right Mm-hmm. It's so easy to start uh, replicating and sharing personality traits of individuals that do not reflect the traits in which we just read in Exodus mm-hmm. 34. It's so easy to become, to start emulating traits of other people, just even being around them for like a week. Every time I go down south, Everyone always points us out. I always come back with a um, a little bit of an accent, and I, I don't. It's just like so easy for me to pick mm. that up naturally. But right. like that's just a small example. But like I do that with personality things too. I start talking similarly to other people, which is why you shouldn't hang around people that just talk about not good things all of the time. Like that just right. gets, it corrupts your mind and. Um, and, uh, you know, Jesus says, um, it's not, it's not what goes into a person or is it Jesus or Peter? 
one of them. I, I think both of them make this point, yeah. but it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles a person. It's what comes out of it because what comes out is from the heart. Mm. And if you're constantly surrounding yourself with people who are, um, you know, speaking untruths, you know, they, you know, like just uh, pathological liars mm. um, or their gossips um, that like that just like not that you shouldn't be friends with them, but you know, maybe take a step back and not spend as much time with them because that's just an indication of where their heart is at. Right. And I, and, and I'm guilty of in the past telling lies, I am guilty of gossiping. Um, and I think there's a culture of gossip and telling lies that is ingrained in a lot of different societies um so to fit in you need to say these things to fit in you need to do all this but then like once i started realizing wait wait i'm an image bearer of a god who is truthful i am an image bearer of a god who is unfailing in love and faithfulness and compassionate merciful yeah that behavior does not add up so people are getting to know god through me and they might start thinking God is not this thing that, you know, I hear about because I, this image that I see in you is not good. Right. (laughs) So if we're God's billboards ambassadors, as Paul says in second Corinthians, then we are to reflect these definitions that God shares. And I really like the image that an ambassador brings. Like, if you put it in modern terms, like, someone, say, um, you know, we America sends an ambassador to a different country. Usually, they're at, right. like, the embassy and whatever designated location in that country. That is, for most of the people living there, that is their image of whatever country that person is representing. For most of them, that's the only thing of that country that they will ever see. Right. Right. And if that person is, you know, uh, just rude, abrasive, arrogant, they're going to associate the whole country with those attributes, yep, good or bad. And so I think that we I this is just my personal persuasion. Feel free to disagree with me. But I feel like we really should be treating this more as like a job because Hmm. I think that it is, you know, like we have a. We have a responsibility to bear the image of God well. And for many people, we're all that they're going to ever see of him. Right. I mean, this is an inward change. And then it manifests in outward actions, words, um, demeanors. Um, So, I mean, James talks a lot about this in his epistle with this outward manifestation of an inward change right Mm -hmm. and paul says in that second corinthians verse that we are making our plea we are making our case for when we say come back to christ Mm -hmm. with how we are acting so uh of course like i think it was the the traditional story of when muhammad gandhi hung out with a Christian family. And there's that quote that if you Google search Muhammad Gandhi quotes, he says, I love your Christ. I hate your Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, the plea that this family was making was showing 
Mahatma Gandhi, the exact opposite of who God is through their actions. And he wanted nothing to do with God um, after spending time with these people um, when he was studying abroad. So yeah, what we do outside of different like Bible studies outside of church settings matters. It it matters a lot. We think that we can turn it on and turn it off and In doing so, we not only misrepresent God a lot of the time, we're not fully submitting ourselves for sure. Like you need to submit your whole life. This isn't like a, like a nine to five sort of (laughs) thing where you can just, you know, show like bear his image when you want to, and then still get to go around and do your own thing. Like that's not how this works. And when, and when we do that, then you get, you end up with situations like that where people are turned off by how you're acting when you should be acting as an image bearer of God all of the time, which by the way, if someone refuses Christ because of you, you are held responsible for that. Just Mm. an FYI, like uh, the Bible is very clear. Like everyone is responsible for their own actions. So like you're like, they're not going to get off just because hmm. you led them astray, but you will be held accountable if you are driving people away. So just, just going to throw that out as well. Um, I think in, uh, when I was listening to Carmen Imes talk about her book, Bearing the Name of God, uh, she talks about it almost like we're putting on this, these invisible clothes that we don't take off right Mm. and uh i think she even said um i think we can uh see this image uh anna have you ever gone to chuck e cheese yes you know that fancy stamp that they put on your hand that you can see under black light yeah it's like we don't see the stamp when we're doing the arcade games but it's still there Mm. so when we are in social settings Think of those conversations as the black light being shown Mm. and that stamp is being shown to in that conversation. It could either do destructive things or be a life giving thing. Um, It's uh, James talks about the tongue being able to produce life or produce death or hell. Mm. Um, We need to really be careful uh, because if we're wearing the, that those clothes, wearing that stamp and we're, our tongue is producing hell. It's not good. <laughs> no. But I but yeah, your image of the ambassador is a really good image. The image of putting on clothes is also a helpful image. And uh that's the thing, is it's a 24-hour job um being an ambassador. Um it's a 24-hour job being a representative of uh God. Um if we steward the Holy Spirit, we are the temple right? The dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Um, So it's almost like uh, we're mini tabernacles walking around. Um, You know, if, if God has come and made his dwelling among us through Jesus and he gives us the Holy Spirit, we are like little walking tabernacles. Um, The old, the image of the old Testament dwelling place of God. I love that. But uh, so, yeah, so that's some, that, that's just, 
kind of our conversation about talking about how sometimes we take in uh, things around us that aren't God and how we can sometimes misrepresent God. And in this third segment, we're going to be talking about the Imago Day, how men and women are made in the image of God. And we're going to talk about uh, how we're both equally made in the image of God, how that makes us an azer, and talk about all of that in this third segment. So stick around. We'll be right back. So Anna, the Imago Day. Uh, it's a word that I think a lot of us have heard, some of us really know, and maybe some of us don't know what Imago Day means. Can you help describe and define out what that term means? Yeah, so the Imago Day is just the Latin word for the image of God. And to be created in God's image, it's literally just like a reflection of his likeness. It's um, as we discussed earlier, we discussed some of the attributes um, of God, the communicable traits that we are um, able to reflect as image bearers, Um, you know, holy, loving, just, good, merciful, gracious, faithful, truthful, patient, wise, all of those. um, Thanks, Jen Wilkin, uh, for laying those out. Um, But all of those are um, traits that we um, are able to emulate. Um, And hang on, I'm trying to find um, a quote here. Um, It's basically... So sorry, I was looking for a Jen Wilkin quote from the from the book because I think she articulated it very well. But then I got to the quote and I had already said everything that was in the quote. So, um, but ba- the he he forms us in in his. I think you had used um, the the analogy of. Um, stained glass how it's there to remind you of something and so if you think about it we're like little walking art pieces Um, yeah i mean i think of people who have portraits painted of them and that is the way in which we remember them whether it's the like different presidents stoic faces or uh different images of war um you know we think of different famous uh paintings like the mona lisa um we have some sort of reflection of some sort of feeling inside from the painter uh with different paintings but god makes an art piece of himself which is these Mm -hmm. human beings uh the adam the human uh Mm -hmm. in hebrew and uh eve who is uh also made in the image of uh the creator she is just created in a different way than the adam the Mm -hmm. adam is it doesn't mean that one's more of an image bearer than the other or one's Mm -hmm. less of the image bearer than the other they were equally uh the image bearer of of god um which i think is so interesting because like he creates a male and female in his likeness 
um, as the scriptures say. Right. I'm oh, so, sorry. Go ahead. So, Anna, I have a question because this is something I wrestle with, too, is just like throughout the course of history. So a historical question. Why do we tend to gravitate more toward um, looking at males as image bearers than mm. females? I think for a couple of reasons. This is a very... Um... I think this could be its own episode, but um, I think, well, I think just an obvious reason is God uses male pronouns to define himself. Hmm. So automatically, because he is described, even though God, the father is a spirit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we've talked about this on here yet, but um, Jesus obviously was male. Like you can't, I know that when you get into progressivism and universalism, people try to say, oh, Jesus was non-binary or Jesus was female. No, Jesus was male. Yeah. Um, yeah. But God, the father is a spirit uh, who has both male and female attributes because females are awesome. Like you can't, you can't divide up God's attributes and say, Oh, that one's male and that one's female. But I think that the reason we do that is because he uses um, male pronouns. And so we just automatically we associate hmm. him with male and then, and then attribute things that we think should be masculine or things that we consider masculine just culturally. I think that we right. project those onto him. Hmm. And um, so I think that that's the first reason. And I had another point, but I forgot it. <laughs> that's okay. No, that's, that's really, really good. Um, um, and I, I'm sure we're going to touch on this a lot larger in a future episode in a maybe another season uh but i i just think uh men uh, especially women being azers and men being azers we are to lift one another up um and to be able to see because because i think uh you uh have suggested that i read this book called half the church mm -hmm. Um, and it's this fantastic book about how we only see part of the face of God, part of the face of the image, um, if we leave out women. Right. And, and that book re has really been transforming the way I have seen, like, the church miss out on seeing this beautiful image of God through people. Well, and I think when you start to get into... Um dividing up we do this when we divide up tasks um like men you you work all day women you stay home and you take care of the kids and you clean the house and then we divide up chores like men take out the trash women do the dishes which it's just it's just weird i think to do mm -hmm. that but we do that with traits too like oh like and we what we do is we proof text the bible and create our own little package of like we I yeah, like all of yeah. the all of the verses that are, you know, commands to women. We, you know, I think Tim Mackey had I was just listening to one of his episodes on the epistles where he talks about this, where you take all of those, you proof text, and then you create your own little package about gender and we do that with attributes too. Like mm, there's a I don't mm, I don't yeah. know where the where the reference is, but um where it says that women must be gentle. So then we, so then we take that and we apply that to women and say, okay, women, <laughs> you have to be gentle, but what are the fruits of the spirit? Hmm, it's gentleness. gentleness, right? Yeah, and who, yeah. and who is supposed to have all of the fruits of the spirit? Everyone who is a believer. 
Right. So it's really weird when people, I just think it's weird when people try to start dividing up attributes and saying, oh, you know, men are supposed to be like macho and then women are supposed to be, you know, super, super polite and ladylike and gentle and quiet and uh, mysterious. And it just, it's, first of all, is unbiblical. If you actually (laughs) dig into it, like if you do what I just did and take that one text and read it within the context, the larger context of scripture. And you remember Galatians chapter five, where it brings up the fruits of the spirit. Is it five or six? One of the uh, two. One of the two. Yeah, you're in the right ballpark. So like when you read that verse about women being gentle through the larger context of scripture, you remember, oh yeah, all of us are supposed to be gentle. Um, and then trying to proof text it for specific gender attributes is just very odd. Right. And doesn't it doesn't and it's not helpful is the thing. It's like no. you're not creating a better social structure when you do that. You're if anything, you're you're hindering the church. Right. And, and if we, and if we want to talk about experience, then we're missing out on the experience of experiencing certain attributes of God in ourselves. We're saying these ones you do, these ones I do. And at that point, we're missing out on the larger picture of things of being the Imago Dei, being image bearers as all individuals. Um, so I, I mean, I remember growing up um, as, as, a, as a guy, you know, you need to be tough, you need to be rough, you need to be. Um, so all those were taught to me, but then the gentleness, like, hey, Zach, it's okay, you can cry. <laughs> Things like that were not uh, taught to me as much right? Um, or, or, or not at all. Um, so I missed out on uh, certain fruits of the spirit because societally mm. it was taught to me in a way that this is what manhood is versus this is what the fruits of the spirit are. And this is what, this is what it means to be an image bearer of God, you know, not in the idea of societal manhood. Um, so that's just, it just, just fascinates me. And, and I think, um, the encouragement that I would give to all you listeners is just study those attributes of God. Um, those ones that we are called to reflect the ones that we are called to constantly reassess ourselves with, and also continue to just, uh, learn the fruits of the spirit, how to identify, are we reflecting being image bearers of God? And I think when we start gendering attributes we end up with two two um two sets of attributes that end up actually looking nothing like god because both Mm. of them are supposed to have it's supposed to be balanced like we're Mm. not supposed to have half of his attributes like the list and gen wilkins book she lists 10 different attributes that we're supposed to have like imagine if someone was holy and merciful and truthful and patient, but was not wise or faithful Mm. or good. Like you can't, you can't leave some of those things out. And, and then we end up, um, I don't know how, I think that this is just, um, I think this is more cultural than anything, but somehow we, um, like we think that the opposite of gentleness, which we associate as feminine, 
we associate that with the feminine. We think mm-hmm. that the opposite of that is very rough, tough, and very aggressive, right? Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times that boil it just boils down to anger, and men yeah. are allowed to be angry and yeah. violent. And I don't understand how you can read the Bible and come away with men are supposed to be angry, but somehow that's <laughs> what we we have done. And I'm reading this book right now. Um, it has absolutely nothing to do with image bearing. It's actually a book on broken sexuality. But um, in it, he talks about how, um, like, what happens when um, how um, when lust gets hijacked mm. by anger when you couple those and how you end up with things um, like, uh, you know, sexual abuse. You have entire human trafficking rings because of this anger mm. from men that we say, yes, this is how men are supposed to act. Women, you are not allowed. Not only are you not allowed to have anger, but for men, it's like uh, celebrated and encouraged. Mm. And like that is not, I mean, yes, God does get angry, but that's not something that we should be striving for. Do, right. you, do you feel the same way? Do you think that we as a culture strive to have those two camps? Right. I, I totally agree. And I think we are not called to reflect the wrath of God. Mm. That is something that we skewed down the line that we uh should that is a spiritual gift and it's not that is something that is unique to god mm-hmm. the things that we are called to reflect are, is like the list that you have just given given from jen wilkins book um the, uh, those communicable uh attributes so i i think again men are uh you know i was not encouraged growing up to be gentle because of the the femininity that it is given to that adjective. But growing up, um, growing into gentleness has really humbled my heart as, as a guy. Um, so, and it's also allowed me to um, get to know God at this such a deep level too, um, because I see how gentle God is. I see how graceful God is, how merciful God is, how loving God is. And then just the call to reflect that to my brothers and sisters around me um, has just been so imprinted, especially in this season of my life Um, for all the seasons to follow. um, But just falling into that has been much of an encouragement and it is very upside down um, in today's culture and society. Mm. But um, Anna, I just wanted to thank you again for joining together uh, for episode five, all on image bearing and God's definitions. Um, we truly believe everyone is an Azer. So Anna, can you give everyone our email and our Instagram handle if they want to con- communicate with us and want to get our show notes through email? Definitely. Um, our email is Shoot, I always forget. Is there a the? I don't think that there's a the in the email. It's just azerpodcast at gmail.com. And then our Instagram does have a the, and it's Correct. the Podcast. Uh, you can add us, um, comment on our posts, send us an email with your thoughts. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, if you know us personally, we would still prefer that you send it to email because we both like to communicate. 
Yeah. Um, but if you if you DM us individually with your thoughts, then the other one doesn't get to participate in that discussion. But we love to discuss <laughs> things with you. So um, send us an email with your thoughts, any questions, things you disliked, things you liked. We would love to have that conversation with you. Um, and then if you want to get on our email list with all of our show notes, just shoot us an email with that as well. Um, and we'll something... be sure to get... Uh, Anna, you and I were talking about was just like, if you, if anyone has any thoughts on a discussion topic that you mm -hmm. want us to explore, because again, we want to start to get into uh, topics too in the future that are mm -hmm. things that, you know, we are told don't talk about that, but mm -hmm. we want to humbly and respectfully try to have those conversations here mm -hmm. and include you guys in them. So right. let us know what, what's on your mind, on your heart. Definitely. It really helps to know what you guys are wanting to talk about or wanting to hear. Um, and then we can kind of uh, gear our, I think we're thinking maybe for the second season of this podcast of doing like a hot topics yeah. um, series. Um, so just all the controversial <laughs> topics. So um, if you guys have any um, insight on that and then I think at the end of the season we were talking about doing a Q&A as well um, yeah. just kind of rounding that off so if you have any questions so far um, on anything that we've discussed be sure to send us those as well totally I want to thank all of you for listening and I know today was a longer episode but I think uh, we covered a lot so uh, just thanks for sticking around with us we want to remind everyone you are an Azer and I hope you have a great day and I hope you tune back into a future episode. Have a great day, everyone, and see you next time on the Azer podcast. That wraps up episode five of the Azer podcast. Again, we want to thank each and every one of you that have listened through this episode. Feel free to email us at our email and connect with us through our Instagram and be on the lookout for the next episode as we head into episode six next time. Again, thank you for being an awesome listening group. I'm Zach and be blessed today. See you guys.